Welcome to the ASSP Safety Standards and Tech Pubs podcast, your source for expert insights on industry consensus standards and ASSP technical publications. I'm your host, Scott Fowler. As technology has evolved, its impact is felt in nearly every aspect of our lives and how we do our jobs. In the world of occupational safety and health, technology has paved the way for new ways of training workers on how to operate safely on the job. The ANSI ASSP Z490.2 standard offers guidance on best practices for e-learning in safety, health, and environmental training. We're happy to welcome back to the show Jeff Dalto to discuss the Z490.2 standard and the guidance it provides for e-learning training. Jeff is Senior Learning and Development Specialist at Convergence Training. He is also a member of the ANSI ASSP Z490.2 subcommittee on criteria for accepted practices for e-learning in safety, health, and environmental training. Jeff, welcome back. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, Scott. Thanks so much. I'm uh, happy to be back, and I I hope you're doing well, and hi to everybody out there listening. All right. Let's get started. Now, in our last episode, we discussed the Z490.1 standard, which which applies to safety, health, and environmental training. Now, this week we're talking specifically about e-learning and the Z490.2 standard. So, as far as the, the standard's concerned, when we say e-learning, what do we mean by that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Scott, and, and not really uh, uh, as simple as it might seem. Uh, just to backtrack, before I answer that question, uh, just to clarify uh, for people listening the relationship between the two standards, especially if you didn't hear the first podcast, a Z490.1 deals with all EHS training in all delivery methods, in, including online. So that the things that are in Z490.1 are still true for Z490.2 and still apply to, to e-learning. Z490.2 includes information that's specific to e-learning. It supplements Z490.1, and it doesn't replace Z490.1. Mm. But So with, with that uh, background, to get back to your good question, what does e-learning mean? Uh, it's a good question. It, it's one we, it's not easy to answer. It's one we grappled with a lot, you know, um, partly because we're at a period where training technology seems to be, you know, changing really quickly. But what we went with uh, in the standard is is what I think is the classic definition of uh, e-learning. Uh, we're including two components. The first is an e-learning course, and the second is what's called a learning management system, or LMS. Um, I won't go into uh, a ton of information about the second, but the basic idea, probably a lot of us are familiar with e-learning courses. They've been around for 20 years, 40 years maybe. But it's, it's the idea of a uh, course you're taking online. They typically present content. They might have some practice questions, and they have a test at the end. And, and they have some ability to communicate information about the learner's progress and, and how they did with training, and obviously, in particular, whether or not they passed or failed the test. And that, that information is transferred to something called a learning management system. I know we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. These are often called LMSs as well. And, and that's where that training data is stored. So that, that's the uh, big system. And you can kind of think of the LMS as the player and the uh, e-learning course as the, the actual learning activity itself that the player can uh, deliver and keep track of. Okay. Um, because there's a lot of training, there's a lot of change going on in training technology, you know, there's uh, a lot of stuff that I might uh, refer to as technology-assisted learning or technology-assisted training beyond this kind of standard e-learning course that we're just talking about. You know, the Internet has exploded, and so we have all these streaming video alternatives, which are 
kind of similar to what we do on, on, on Netflix, for example. Uh, we all have fancy, uh, super powerful computers in our pocket or our purses. Uh, so there's a movement into mobile learning, which has uh, helped to spawn something called micro-learning. Obviously, there are things like virtual reality and augmented reality. We covered those a little bit in, in the uh, appendices, and I know we'll talk about that later, but it's just an interesting time in training and training technology right now. The standard folks is in the e-learning course in the LMS I talked about. There is this, uh, all these other technology-assisted training options out there, and there could be more in the future, including you know artificial intelligence has arrived and so on. So there's a lot to keep your your finger on a pulse of, and no doubt some of these will be included in future versions of the standard. And, and even the, the learning management system we talked about, again, we'll get back to this more, but you know, there's alternatives to that now, learning experience programs, learning record stores, and mm-hmm. so on. So a lot of change, but the fundamental is this e-learning course and the learning management system. Okay, great. Now, on the, on that note, and going back to 490.1, and while the structure of the standard is similar to 490.1, there are some key differences. So what are the most important things for safety professionals to keep in mind when developing e-learning training? And how can they know whether, you know, more traditional training or e-learning is the best approach for a particular training for their, their workforce? Yeah, yeah, another good question. So for Training professionals in general and, and EHS training professionals in particular, uh, the primary point I would give is to remember that the actual training delivery method that you use, whether or not it's instructor-led training or an e-learning course or maybe in the future virtual reality training, that, that has um, no direct relationship to whether or not the training is effective or not. And, and studies have shown that over and over again. You know, if you want to check so a great source on that i would recommend dr ruth coleman clark's book on evidence-based training practices Mm -hmm. well if training delivery method is not directly related to the effectiveness of training what is is the instructional methods that you use regardless of the training delivery method and by instructional method what i'm talking about we touched on this in the earlier discussion scott are things like are you giving the learners an opportunity to practice do they get feedback? Are you using storytelling, repetition, variability, an effective use of, of visuals, uh, forcing, uh, giving the learners an opportunity to retrieve information from their brain, things like chunking and sequencing that we talked about earlier. So mm-hmm. those are the things that give you uh, a bang for the buck and for training effectiveness are those instructional methods. And so uh, when you're trying to determine what training delivery method should I use, should I use instructor edge, should I use e-learning or, or so on, what you really have to ask yourself is what training delivery method is going to allow me to um, embed, if you will, those appropriate instructional methods that are necessary for this particular learning activity. So, for example, you know, we talked in the first podcast again about uh, how Z490.1 really emphasizes uh, adequate feedback, and that's one of those effective instructional methods I just talked about. So that's something to consider. And, and, and kind of an analogy uh, that I use, analogies, uh, by the way, are uh, evidence-based training practices as well, is uh, like a chocolate chip cookie. And you can think of that, that training delivery method as uh, the dough, and you can think of the, uh, the chocolate chip itself as the instructional method. And at least for me, the whole purpose of a chocolate chip cookie is to eat that uh, chocolate chip. And so I want to get uh, dough, if you will, to be a vehicle to get that uh, chocolate chip. And in the same way, you want to select your training delivery method to be a vehicle that you can embed that person's effective instructional methods into. It is worthwhile keeping in mind, you know, that 
e-learning does have certain strengths. Uh, visuals, it allows opportunity for safe practice. So, you know, you can allow people to safely practice a skill that maybe uh, would be too dangerous uh, for a novice to practice in, 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 in real life mm-hmm. uh, and so on. And obviously that's going to become increasingly true as we start morphing uh, into uh, more, more commonly using things like virtual reality. There are also business realities to keep in mind, like how can I actually get, how can I scale this? How can I get training to a geographically dispersed workplace? E-learning has some benefits for that, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the, the final takeaway, and one of the most important things uh, I would recommend is um, people know, is blended learning. Blended learning, what people are talking about is, is mixing and matching, uh, using things like online training in addition to some kind of uh, face-to-face or instructor training or field-based training. Uh, we already kind of mentioned some of those effective instructional methods include repetition and variability. So uh, blended learning kind of has that built in. And, and studies show again and again that blended learning solutions outperform um, using single training delivery methods like just instructor ed or just e-learning. Again, I guess uh, for sources on that, if you want to check that out, I've referred to Dr. Ruth Colvin-Clark's book on evidence-based training methods. Mm -hmm. The United States Department of Education has a great study uh, showing the same thing. Learning researcher Dr. Will Talheimer has a white paper showing the exact same thing as well. So I would encourage people to use blended learning. Um, You can use an e-learning kind of for foundational knowledge before classroom training. Uh, You could uh, blend training methods right in the uh, activity itself. Maybe have an instructor-led training where you use some e-learning or you could use uh, follow-up e-learning and I think a great use of that is for the kind of refresher training we talked about in space learning and space practice Mm -hmm. over time. Okay now you touched on this uh, a little bit with the the answer to that last question as far as the 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 best training methods I know the standard includes a lot of examples that you touched on for different e-learning approaches this is contained within Annex C and includes you know artificial intelligence interactive video social learning virtual reality, many others. We touched on this with the Z490.1 as far as gaining feedback from your workers as to what the best methods will be for them in order to make that training stick. So I imagine the the same kind of goes for the Z490.2 as far as deciding which is the best e-learning training method for your workforce. Yeah, and and if I can kind of address that in two points. First of all, you talked about appendix, annex C, I'm sorry. And um, I just want to point out, I'm really proud of those annexes. Uh, we put a lot of work into them. I think people are going to find those really valuable. Mm-hmm. So I do encourage people, uh, if they're buying Z490.2, to check out those annexes. I, I think you'll find those helpful resources in general. Um, in, in terms of, you know, again, making making it stick, selecting the, the best delivery methods, uh, especially in this area where, where technology is changing, which is one of the things we're talking about in this annex, uh, I'll still return to those same fundamental points. First of all, blended learning solutions provide uh, data shows. Blended learning solutions provide uh, better, more effective training. I'd also encourage you to remember what's really important is not the training delivery method. It doesn't matter if you're using virtual reality or e-learning courses or instructional training mm-hmm. or social learning or whatever it is. But what's important are those embedded instructional methods, kind of things we talked about, retrieval, practice, feedback, effective visuals, and so on. One of the questions, though, you should ask yourself, obviously, the, well, how can I embed the necessary instructional methods into certain training delivery methods? But another thing you to talk about, think about is, such as we're moving to the, to the future, uh, what, what kind of things can I offload to technology? And, and, and a great example of that is uh, uh, artificial intelligence-powered chatbots. 
So oh, okay. um, if you just need uh, a chatbot to help, you know, deliver facts, people, you know, training people on facts is exceptionally inefficient. It's not <laughs> something we excel at as, as people. And, and maybe, you, you know, you don't have to train people on facts, and, and you can just make those available to people through some kind of, you know, job aid or performance support, which is powered by artificial intelligence uh, chatbots. That's uh, already being used, and, and, and that kind of stuff is going to be increasingly used in, over time. You know, likewise, maybe a less gee whiz, less Star Trek way, uh, you know, you can just offload uh, the delivery of some content uh, to an e-learning course, you know, where you don't maybe need instructor at a time. And then, and then, so obviously the next thing is, well, when would I really benefit from instructor time? Um, and, and that's obviously oftentimes going to have something to do with, you know, opportunities for demonstration and uh, practice and feedback uh, and that kind of thing, questions, answers. And, and then I think uh, some things, uh, especially looking forward as we get these new technologies uh, and start integrating them more, what, what kind of opportunities do these new technologies offer me that, that aren't available through uh, traditional training mm -hmm. methods? And, you know, a simple one is just like, for example, with virtual reality, it allows someone to practice something safely and without, you know, risk or consequence that right. if they were trying to practice, as a novice trying to practice in real life, you know, they wouldn't be able to do it. Another thing is just the, the fact that they can cycle through a lot more kind of variations and repetitions of something than they might be able to do with real-life training. And, and um, there's a great book uh, about something called Deliberate Practice. It's called Peak, the Science of Expertise, I believe, by Anders Ericsson. And, and you can cycle people through, for example, maybe troubleshooting training and, and all sorts of variations and, and develop expertise that might normally take 30 years to develop on the job, but but with a properly designed training program using uh, some of these uh, technology-assisted training tools, you can develop expertise in a much compressed amount of time, maybe as short as, uh, I'm just making this up, but you can take 30 years to, and, and compress it into nine, a nine-year uh, expertise development cycle. So okay. there's a lot of opportunities that these things offer, and we're all going to have to learn about them as we go on. That's an excellent point. Have you noticed... With uh, some of the e-learning training that you might have done, there's more of a learning curve with training workers with these kind of methods, just, you know, training them uh, with technology they may not be familiar with. How, how have you approached that? If there's, you know, been any kind of resistance to, to that kind of training? Yeah, it totally does. And yeah, there, there, of course, I've seen that. Um, there are a couple ways to do it. And you know, I would say I've seen it, I see it less and less over time. Mm -hmm. You know, people are becoming increasingly familiar Obviously, with something as simple as, you know, an e-learning course, which is just web-based training, you want to get an e-learning course and an e-learning uh, delivery system, this thing we called a learning management system earlier, mm -hmm. which has a super intuitive user interface. And, and, you know, that's incumbent upon the training developers to create something that's as intuitive as possible. And that that's becoming increasingly easy as people are increasingly familiar, you know, to have similar expectations about how things work mm -hmm. on the internet. So, you know, th there are people out there who make a lot of money for user experience uh, and user interface and, and, you know, developers hire them and those people do good jobs. And so those problems are becoming less and less an issue in general. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, less and less an issue as people increasingly use the technologies Absolutely. we have and become mm -hmm. comfortable with them. People are clearly becoming familiar with these kind of things and it, it's, they're not so arcane. It doesn't mean there isn't some resistance and there isn't some just lack of familiarity. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, the best thing you can do in that situation, other than what I talked about earlier, making the user interface simpler, is just helping uh, them. Just like you help 
people learn everything else you have, right. that they have to do at work, mm-hmm. you know? So there's nothing wrong with somebody who doesn't understand how to use this or, or maybe is not comfortable with it, but it's, it's an easy enough thing to mm-hmm. help people learn how to do. And actually, if you're in a situation these days where you're uncomfortable, you know, taking online training, for example, it's a useful skill, not just for online training, because it could apply to the whole rest of your life as well. Yeah. So I think you could approach it that way, that this is, a, this is a transferable skill that will make the rest of your life easier and richer as well. You know, other things like newer technologies, yeah, uh, we're going to have to teach people how to use those as well, virtual reality, augmented reality chatbots mm-hmm. uh chat, chatbots are easy enough but i you know i was confused the first time i had to figure <laughs> out how to use a virtual reality device myself and you know we'll get over that but right. absolutely some some people will be confused some people re- will resist some people do resist although i find that to be much less so now than it was even even five or ten years ago and and we'll just have to keep teaching people and we'll have to keep making intuitive user interfaces absolutely now, something uh, you touched on a little earlier, uh, uh, another really important component of the standard is contained within the appendixes, uh, specifically Annex E, which discusses the Learning Management System, or LMS. I wonder if you could talk about the LMS and the role it plays in the e-learning process. Sure, sure. So uh, a lot of people uh, in, in the industry, the, the LMS, that, that term is standard, it's been around for a very long time. But a lot of times in safety and safety training or, or other contexts as well, it's not a familiar term or a familiar acronym. A lot of people will think of it as training management software or mm-hmm. training software or something. But the basic idea is a learning management system allows you it's, – it's an online site. They used to install them on your work network. But more often now, they're on the cloud, which means essentially it's a fancy way to say it's on the Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it allows you to import training in any number of different formats, okay. including the kind of fancy e-learning courses we were talking about um, in standard formats called things like SCORM and AICC and, and kind of an upcoming one called XAPI. But even you know PDFs and PowerPoints and videos and, and so on, you can then uh, assign that training. They usually have tools to create training, online quizzes, uh, checklists, which can be really useful in the safety world, uh, surveys, like we were talking about earlier, for training, evaluation, and other needs. Uh, then you can assign that training. You can uh, track the completion of it. You can keep records of it and so on. So, you know, the learning management system essentially allows you to manage that entire learning or training aspect uh, from, you know, delivery of content through uh, tracking, and, and then it also allows you to integrate with a lot of your other workplace software systems, like, for example, uh, your HRIS, your HR system, or, or you know, your CRM, your customer relations management system, and so on, and those informa- uh, your ERP, and, and those can uh, pass valuable information back and forth as well. That's a, a really important thing with learning management systems, that integration. People often don't realize that's going to be important, but it is, especially with managing, uh, getting training to new hires and when people have been, have changed job roles and so on. And so uh, that's a learning management system. They can be really quite basic and stripped down. They can be really huge or even part of a larger mm-hmm. HR kind of talent management system. Uh, and there are some that are kind of specially designed for use in, in safety or, or other job or workforce needs as well. So it's kind of important to evaluate the LMS, see what capabilities are and how well it fits mm-hmm. your organizational training needs. Like everything else, you know, nothing's uh, as simple as it might we might like it to be, Scott. So this world is changing as well. 
I would encourage people to keep an eye on new trends in the learning management system mm-hmm. world, including kind of similar products with different names and slightly different capabilities. Uh, there's something called the Learning Experience Platform, which tends to have additional strengths for uh, content curation and social learning. There's something called a Learning Record Store, which can either uh, kind of substitute for an LMS or essentially be bolted on and, and work in conjunction. And that's uh, useful for kind of a new technology or a new way to track training called Experience API. And uh, I invite people to kind of, it's a little far afield, but to know that learning record stores work, work with this new thing called XAPI, and I encourage people to Google that or, or feel free to email me, and I'd be happy to tell you more about that. But everything's changing, of course. Right. Okay, but you, yeah, but a, a very useful tool, as we talked about in the Z490.1 episode integrating it with the rest of the organization and yeah. and and yeah. just just the the idea of managing your training program this would be a fantastic tool just for both integrating it with the rest of the organization and just keeping everything organized as you develop and continually improve your program it's actually a great point Scott I kind of forgot we talked about that uh, for in the first podcast where we talked about integrating your EHS training into your EHS program in mm-hmm. general and, and so we're talking right now about integrating your learning management system with your, with your HR system but you can also integrate your learning management system especially uh, some of these that are kind of designed more for safety and safety training you know with things like your incident uh, investigation tracking system uh, and, and possibly even you know like if there's been an incident perhaps one correct, uh, I, I don't want to overstate this, and I think this is overstated in the safety world, but perhaps one uh, appropriate reaction would be to, to deliver some training or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that kind of integration is, is, a, is a great use of an LMS and integrating your safety training with your uh, EHS program. Absolutely. Uh, anything else you'd like to add about uh, Z490.2 or e-learning? No, that's really it. I, I encur- Again, like with Z490.1, I encourage people to check it out. You know, if you are resistant to e-learning, I encourage you to, to read some of the stuff and, and see how effective it can be. I encourage you to use it wisely and in a way that leads to most effective training, kind of in the, keeping in mind the distinction between training delivery methods and instructional methods and the value of blended learning. And just want to say thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, Scott, thanks to you and everybody at ASSP for having me on today. Well, thank you, Jeff, for coming on. And as you said, yeah, I really hope uh, our listeners will, you know, take a look at Z490.2 and think about e-learning and how they can use that to develop and improve their training program. So thank you again. Yeah, my pleasure. And if anybody wants to learn more about anything we talked about or any of these coming trends, uh, feel free to send me an email and I'll be happy to have a respond. Okay, great. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the ASSP Safety Standards and Tech Pubs podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect with us at ASSP.org and follow us on Twitter at ASSP Safety. We'll see you next time.